text for this morning's message is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find it on page 1275. John, chapter 10, beginning at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down And I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. The interest rates are low, and therefore the housing market is hot. 5,880 homes sold in the Twin Cities in March, 20% more than in March of 1992. And when that starts happening in a, in a society, in a city, um, and people start shuffling around and buying houses and moving, you not only start to wonder who's going to live next door to you, but you also wonder will they be owners or will they be renters? Will the person who moves in next door be a tenant or will he own the house? Will the one who owns the house live there or will that person be an absentee landlord throughout the suburbs somewhere maybe and let it go to pot? If you ask them, what, what difference does it make who lives next door to you? Say, well, in one sense, uh, it may not matter if they're a renter or an owner. It might not because there are good quality self-respecting, upstanding renters. I know a lot of them, (laughs) hundreds in this church, I hope. But in general, it is true that when you own it, you take care of it. And when you don't own it, your standards are lower. That's a sad commentary on human nature. That's the way we are. That's one of the things Jesus came into the world to change. He said things like, whatever you would that men would do to you and your property, you do to them. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But the fact is, little children, I'm tempted to say of all ages, get more angry when their bike is misused, then when they misuse another person's bike. A lot more angry. And adults 
have a lot higher standards for the way you take care of their toys than the way they take care of your toys. That's the way we are wired as sinful human beings. Now, Jesus knows that, and he used it in this text, used it to show something about the difference between him as a shepherd and hired hands as employees to take care of the sheep. Jesus is a shepherd who owns the sheep. And then there are these other kind of people who are hired hands. And they just work for the sheep. Let's read what the hirelings are like in verses 12 and 13. He who is a hireling, that's the old-fashioned word for a laborer, a wage earner, a hired hand. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, who's not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's just a hired hand and he's not concerned about the sheep. He rents. He doesn't have a homestead. He's just there temporarily. He doesn't love these sheep. He needs the money. He's working for a living. If you're working for a living, you don't want a job you get killed in. Right? Four times in this little text, it says, He laid down his life for the sheep. Let's look at him. Verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 15 at the end. I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life. Verse 18. Nobody takes my life away from me. I lay it down of my own accord. He's not a hired hand. He's not one of the hirelings. He's not in it for the money. He's in it for the sheep. He loves the sheep more than he loves his own life. Now, what what are we talking about here? What's the, what's the imagery? We're, you're the sheep. We're the sheep. Who are the wolves? What are the wolves? Very good. I'm going to put some names on those bad guys. That's right. Oh, I love listeners. Mm. The rest of you can help. Come on. Let's go. Bad guy number one is sin. In John 1.29, it says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, the images change all over the place in this gospel. John is a great image user. I know we're moving now from shepherd to lamb. Because when the shepherd sees the wolf of sin coming to ravage the sheep, he pushes them behind himself and he steps out in front, in front and as it were, becomes a lamb. Because he's going to let this sin wolf 
attack, he draws him off from the sheep, he attacks himself, and he goes down with that wolf on his neck. And though he's a shepherd protecting the sheep by drawing the wolf of sin onto himself and bearing their iniquities, he dies like a lamb. And, and the wolf dies with him. Second wolf, there's three of them. The second wolf is death. Death is a great destroyer. It attacks and destroys everyone. Great and small, rich and poor, men and women, every race, every creed, death moves in like a wolf and destroys. And the third wolf is judgment. It's not as though death attacks, brings life to an end by ruining your plans and lets you fade into nothingness. That's not the way it ends, according to the Bible. The Bible says in Hebrews 9:27, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. So there's a third wolf moving in on this little flock, and that wolf is judgment. Now what the shepherd does is move out of the flock and puts himself between these three wolves and the flock, he wrestles them down and he slays them, but in the process, he goes down with them and he dies. That's why it says four times he lays down his life for the sheep. He died in killing the wolves. But in dying, he delivers them from the wolves. It says in John 5:24, truly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, not death, and does not come into judgment. That wolf is going down and has passed from death into life. So wolf called sin, wolf called death, and wolf called judgment are dead on the grass and the sheep are safe. But the shepherd is dead, too. He's dead. So there lies wolf sin. There lies wolf death. There lies wolf judgment. And there lies shepherd Jesus. And they're all dead. The draw, even Stephen, right? It's over. And the sheep are safe. There's a problem. If a shepherd gives his life to save a sheep from a wolf, and the shepherd dies while killing the wolf, sheep are going to die. Pretty soon they'll be out of grass. Pretty soon they'll eat up all the green grass and be stumbling around, and they'll make their way out into the valleys of death and out into the deserts where there's no grass and no water, and without a shepherd, they're going to die. And so all of his saving work is in vain. If that's it, if if that's the end of the story, and it's just even Stephen, the wolves are dead, the shepherd's dead, hooray for the loving shepherd. He's dead, and they're dead, and the sheep have about a week. Well, verse 18 shows us that that's not the way the story ends. I love this, I love this verse. No one... Shepherd says, no one 
has taken my life from me. These wolves didn't sneak up on me. But I lay it down of my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father. So when Jesus came from heaven as the Son of God, He came with a commandment from His Father. And the commandment from His Father was, Die for my sheep and take your life again. And every time God gives a command to His Son, He gives the authority to fulfill it. And so He has authority, He says here, to lay down His life in obedience to the command and to take it up again in obedience to the command. And so it's not the end of the story. There's wolf sin, there's wolf death, and there's wolf judgment dead. And there's the shepherd dead. One difference. The shepherd is the son of God, and he has authority to get up anytime he wants to. And after three days, he gets up. He's up. They're down, they'll never get up again. They don't have authority to get up. Sin has no authority to take its life again. Death has no authority to take its life again. Judgment has no authority to take its life again. Only the Son of God has authority to lay his life down and take it up again. And he took it up again. And in taking it up again, several things come real clear. Number one, it wasn't even Stephen. It wasn't a draw at the end of the battle. Even though it looked like the battlefield was nothing but blood and everybody was dead, it wasn't so. He's up now, and therefore he's triumphant over sin, he's triumphant over death, he's triumphant over judgment. And the second thing that's clear is not only that he's triumphant over those and they will never rise again against these sheep, but those sheep now have a living shepherd forever, forever. Christianity, being a Christian, is not only having the wolf of sin killed and the wolf of death killed and the wolf of judgment killed. It's also having a living shepherd with whom you can have a deep, profound relationship to love you and guide you and feed you and help you and care for you. If you have ever longed for a relationship Deeper and more intimate, more personal, more abiding, more precious, more true, more loyal than any relationship you've ever had. Then there's a verse here, verse 14, that should astonish and be very winsome to you. Verse 14 says, I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. In other words, Jesus took back his life. He, he took this authority from the Father. He used his authority to tick his, take his life up off the battlefield and to offer himself back to his sheep in a relationship that is like the relationship he has with his Father. Now, that ought to blow our minds away. 
There is no more satisfying, deep, profound, unimaginably intimate and joyful relationship in the universe than the relationship between God the Father and God the Son, Jesus. And he says this awesome truth. I'm coming out of the grave so that I might know my own and my own might know me just as I know the Father and the Father knows me. What more could you want? Sin is slain. Your guilt is over. Death is slain. You have passed from death to life. Judgment is slain. You shall not come into judgment. And if that weren't enough, he rises from the dead as the living Son of God offers himself to you in a relationship that is like the relationship that he has had from all eternity with his Father with an infinite joy passing between them forever and ever. And if that weren't enough, there's one more thing that he accomplishes. He doesn't just prove that he's triumphant over those wolves, and he doesn't just offer himself to us. He now is alive to complete a worldwide mission that is described in verse 16. I have other sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they shall become one flock and one shepherd. Now, Jesus did not come into the world with the command from his Father and the authority from his Father simply to assemble a few Jewish disciples in Palestine and call them, that's my flock, that's my goal, I'm going back. Not what he came to do. He has other sheep, not just in Jerusalem, but in Antioch and Athens and Rome and London, Johannesburg and New York and Sao Paulo and Honolulu and Tokyo and Sydney and Jakarta and Calcutta and Beijing and Tehran and Cairo and Minneapolis. He has sheep in every city. He has sheep in every pocket of humanity in this city. He has sheep in every people group around the world. His purpose in coming, slaying sin and death and judgment, offering himself in a relationship to his people as he rises from the dead, was to assemble a great worldwide people from every tongue and tribe and nation, and to be exalted as Lord over those people. He wasn't finished in Palestine. He has sheep that are not of this fold. And this authority that raised him from the dead, according to Matthew 28, remember one of the last things he said? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. You are the agents now of his shepherd-like authority in the world. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you to the end 
of the age. And therefore, he came not only to conquer sin, not only to conquer death, not only to conquer judgment, not only to show himself triumphant over them, not only to give himself in a personal relationship with his people like the relationship he has with his father, but also to gather his sheep from every pocket of humanity in the world. And he will not die until he is finished with that. He began with 12 blue-collar Jewish men full of the Spirit of Christ. And his movement has spread over 1,900 plus years until about 1.3 billion people name at least some kind of allegiance to the living Christ. And it is not long, perhaps, until the remaining of the 24,000-some people group in the world, these ethnic groups, until every one of them, Lord willing, in this century yet, will be penetrated with the gospel of the Good Shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And so the question that is left ringing in our ears now at the end is this. Are we sheep? Are you a sheep this morning? Here's another way to ask the question that's a little easier to get a handle on. Do you hear the voice of the shepherd believe his promise of life and follow him when he calls? If so, you're a sheep. It says here, just a few verses later, in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's how you know you're a sheep. You hear his voice as I'm preaching right now. The Holy Spirit comes, touches you, quickens, awakens. You hear this not as the word of a man, but you hear through me, above me, over me, vastly more important than me, the living Christ, invisible and yet real, gathering sheep. In this service. And if you hear his voice and find coming up in your heart now a longing to be free from sin, free from death, free from judgment, and a willingness to reach out and take him and then follow him as he leads you out of this service, you are a sheep. And I invite you to listen to the voice of the Lord. I invite you to believe. I invite you to follow him. Which brings us back to that little beige or tan insert. I said this is in there because I believe that God has appointed a meeting for many of you in this service. You're all on different stages along the way in your pilgrimage with Christ. And on the back here are some possibilities of checking off. I don't want to say that you have to fill this out even as a guest in order to get your free booklet out there. You may get that booklet and and enjoy it. This isn't just for guests. This is for people who may be members of this church who have drifted far from the Lord and have met Him this morning in worship. And it's for people who never knew Him and now have seen Him. 
And what you can do if you check off and put your name here is let us minister to you and put it in the little boxes that are out on the tables out there where the books can be gotten. I want to close now in prayer before we worship the Lord in lifting high the cross and that great hallelujah chorus. Lord, I bow my face and my heart before you, pleading that your word now would quicken the dead and that you would gather sheep who have been in rebellion and unbelieving. I pray that you would reduce that rebellion to submission right now. I pray that you would open eyes to see the glory of the Good Shepherd. I pray that as we lift high the cross, we would be ready to embrace the cross, embrace the shepherd, embrace the mission until he comes. And I pray it in his great name.